This is a podcast by the Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at the Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in the Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. It's the middle of April 2021, and the market turmoil triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic last year is beginning to feel like a distant bad dream. The STI is now less than 1.5% below where it was at the beginning of 2020, before the COVID-19 pandemic struck. So the market has basically made a full recovery. But this recovery has refocused investor attention on a long-standing issue namely the chronic undervaluation of stocks in the local market. Even after the big rebound we've seen, nearly one-third of the component stocks of the STI are still trading below their net asset value per share. The problem is even worse across the wider market. Almost half of all locally listed stocks are trading below their NAV per share. So in this episode of the Mark to Market podcast, I thought it would be a good idea to delve into this issue. I will talk about why so many Singapore stocks cannot seem to garner a decent market valuation. I will look into why this might be a risk for investors. I will also try to offer some perspective on what corporate boards could do about this problem and how investors could position themselves to ride the next phase of the bull market. One recurring theme that I've written a lot about over the last few years is the tendency for locally listed companies to be taken private by their controlling shareholders at very low valuations, often at less than the company's net asset value or book value per share. These deals are happening all the time. In fact, just one day before this podcast was recorded, shares in Jardine Strategic Holdings were suspended from trading because its shareholders had agreed to a proposal for it to be taken private by its parent, Jardine Matheson, at $33 US per share. That price tag was about 20% above the level at which Jardine Strategic was trading before the deal was announced, but it's more than 40% below Jardine Strategic's NAV per share as at the end of 2020. In another case, GL Limited, or what used to be called Guaco Leisure, is also in the process of being taken private after a voluntary cash offer that resulted in its parent group obtaining more than 95% of all its shares. The offer price of 80 cents per share was more than 17% below GL's NAV as at the end of 2020. And there are other companies that could soon go private on the cheap in a similar fashion. One of them is Penguin International, which is currently the subject of an offer at a more than 18% discount to its NAV. Another is Singapore Reinsurance, which is the subject of an offer at a 21% discount to its NAV. And there could be many more to come in the months ahead. Now, even though these offers enable investors to cash out at a premium to the prevailing market price, many investors often feel a sense of injustice that they're not getting a price that is at least equivalent to the book value of the assets of the company. And this is especially so when the offerer is the controlling shareholder of the company because the controlling shareholder, more than anyone else, is likely to best understand the value of the company's assets. So minority investors sometimes push back against these offers, but more often than not, they end up giving in and accepting offers that seem to greatly undervalue their shares. This is what happened with the GL offer. The original offer price was actually 70 cents per share. GL raised the offer price to 80 cents after investors showed signs of resistance. 
It was a small victory for minority investors, but not a very consequential one, because they still ended up parting with their shares for much less than their potential value. The general point I'm making here is that investors are often shortchanged when Singapore-listed companies are taken private. So if you buy a stock that has a long history of trading at a discount to NAV, and the most likely catalyst for the stock is an offer from the controlling shareholder, you should understand the risk you're taking and temper your expectations. But why does a stock trade below its NAV in the first place? And why are there so many of them in Singapore? It's probably worth clarifying at this point that a stock's price-to-NAV ratio is not the only valuation metric that matters. A company's stock could trade way above its NAV and still be exceedingly cheap on the basis of the earnings or cash flow that it generates. Conversely, a company's stock could trade well below NAV and not be a bargain if the book value of its assets are overstated in some way. However, in general terms, one possible reason that a company's stock would trade below NAV is that its return on equity, or ROE, is very low or declining or just uncertain. Another possible reason is that the company in question might not be investing its retained earnings in a productive manner. Given that the undervaluation of Singapore stocks is so widespread, I'm inclined to attribute the phenomenon to macro-level factors. By that, I mean the Singapore corporate sector has faced a very tough operating backdrop over the past decade. This was due to a combination of factors, including technology-driven disruption, weak commodity prices, and aggressive cooling measures in the property sector. For investors, what all this means is that investing on the basis of stock valuations alone is not likely to work. Instead, investors need to have a good sense of which companies will take steps to unlock value and successfully seize new growth opportunities, which I'm going to talk about next. If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the BT Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. And now, back to my analysis and insights on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. In episode one of this podcast series last year, I talked about the tremendous amount of value that could potentially be unlocked at Singapore's leading companies and how this was going to be a key investment theme. Since then, we've seen a number of companies pursue initiatives that have boosted their market capitalization significantly. In fact, the privatization deals I talked about earlier are a form of value unlocking. Take Jardine Matheson and Jardine Strategic, for instance. Minority shareholders of Jardine Strategic might feel that they are being shortchanged, but the fact is that the market values of both companies have expanded significantly because of the deal. Jardine Matheson is up nearly 17% since the beginning of the year, while Jardine Strategic is up 28%. The STI is up about 13%. Meanwhile, Capital Land unveiled an interesting restructuring move in March, which will see its property development business taken private, while its real estate investment management activities and lodging business remain in the public market under an entity called Capital Land Investment Management, or CLIM for short. Minority shareholders of Capital Land will effectively swap their shares for a combination of shares in CLIM, units in Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, and some cash. This consideration is estimated to be worth about $4.10 per Capital Land share, which has triggered a run-up in its market price. On a year-to-date basis, shares in Capital Land are up nearly 17%, outperforming the STI at this point. 
But the companies I have found most exciting are the ones that are not only unlocking value, but also showing signs of seizing new growth opportunities. Semcorp Industries emerged as one of the best performers in the local market last year, following a major restructuring. Under the deal, its beleaguered subsidiary, Semcorp Marine, raised 2.1 billion Singapore dollars through a 5-for-1 rights issue of new shares priced at 20 cents each. Semcorp Industries and Semmarine were then separated from each other through a distribution in specie of Semcorp Industries' stake in the recapitalized Semmarine. Holders of each share in Semcorp Industries received 4.911 shares in Semmarine as a result of the distribution in specie. Shares in Semmarine took a beating after the restructuring, even falling below the 20 cents rights price. But Semcorp Industries, without Semmarine weighing it down anymore, rallied strongly. Now, over the last few weeks, Semmarine has rebounded strongly too, driven by news that, in partnership with GE Renewable Energy, it has won an offshore wind farm contract in the UK that's worth £600 million, or more than $1.1 billion Singapore dollars. If you do the math, shareholders of Semcorp Industries, who held on to the Semmarine shares they received from the distribution in specie, would now be up almost 90% since the restructuring was announced. And that gain could increase if Semmarine continues climbing in the months ahead. Incidentally, even after its run-up, Semmarine is still trading at a nearly 32% discount to NAV. What other companies are worth watching? Keppel Corp made headlines recently for its involvement in a major submarine cable deal. A unit of Keppel is teaming up with Facebook and Telkom Indonesia to develop and own a high-capacity network of submarine cables that will link Singapore, Indonesia, the Philippines, Guam, and the west coast of North America. Keppel's share of the investment is said to be $350 million US dollars. Keppel also said last year that it had identified $17.5 billion Singapore dollars worth of assets on its balance sheet that can potentially be monetized over time and channeled towards growth initiatives. So here is a corporate group that is not only unlocking value, but also seizing new growth opportunities. And in case you're wondering, Keppel is still trading at a 7% discount to its book value. One other company that looks interesting, in my view, is the beverage maker Yoyap Singh. This company made headlines recently for striking a deal with Sweden's Oatly to produce its popular oat drink in Singapore. Yoyap Singh will invest 30 million Singapore dollars jointly with Oatly to produce the high-value plant-based milk alternative at its Sunoco Way factory. Now, Yo's was not profitable last year, but it has a solid balance sheet with a net cash position. If the Oatly deal turns into a money spinner and its efforts to boost productivity at its existing beverage business pay off, its improving profitability could drive its stock a lot higher. And just like Sam Marine and Keppel, shares in Yoyap Singh are also trading at a discount to NAV, specifically a discount of more than 10%. To sum up, it's not hard to find stocks trading at discounts to book value in the local market. The challenge is finding the ones that have the potential to narrow the discount and take off on the back of rising profitability. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. You can follow my Mark to Market podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. 
You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.